time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Let's pray together. We're in this series, I Believe. And uh, last week, Caleb talked a little bit about Jesus. Tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesus. And then we're going to um, we're gonna pray and ask God to give you guys supernatural st- strength to declare the gospel fearlessly in Tobago. For those of you that are not going, this is help for all of us to learn who we are and what we believe. All right, let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that we can hardly keep up with your blessings, God. It just seems like you're doing so much here. I thank you, Lord God, for the incredible worship tonight. God, I thank you for the worship band that serves so faithfully. God, we thank you for what you're doing with our missions trip as we head to Tobago. God, we thank you for all that are going to be going home to home. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing uh, with thousands of people coming to our campus this summer, Lord God, as thousands of teenagers will gather from states all over America to worship and to pray and to seek you. And God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to connect over this summer and take a break from school. We ask, Lord, that this would be the greatest summer of our lives, a summer of connecting with you and a summer of discipleship, a summer of mission, a summer of walking with you. We love you and we honor you. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, last year when we were in uh, Trinidad, uh, we went home to home. And one of the things that we noticed was that as you go home to home, uh, you end up having conversation with people uh, about what they believe. All right. And so uh, most of you uh, have, have had that opportunity to talk to other people about what they believe. Many of you are headed over to uh, Tobago. And so at, at first, kind of when we think about that we're going to go and we're going to share the gospel, we think mostly of monologue, of I'm going to communicate something to you about what I believe. But last year, uh, one of the things that I experienced as I went home to home with some of you guys was I was amazed at the amount of dialogue. In other words, it wasn't just what I had to say or what we had to say to them, but they actually talked back to us. And so much of the evangelistic opportunities, those people that came to know Jesus, uh, took place out of dialogue, not just monologue. And so one of the things I wanted to highlight for you guys is some of the religions and some of the ideas and some of the philosophies that currently exist in Tobago so that as you go home to home, as you go porch to porch, as you go and talk to people, you've got a little framework, kind of an understanding of what they believe or what some of them might believe so that what doesn't happen is you come up to a household and you'll say, good evening, all right, that's how they do it there. And you'll go up, you'll say, good evening. And then they come and they start to talk to you about what they, be- what they believe and you're clueless. All right? We want you to be able to know, A, what you believe about Jesus, but also be able to understand a little bit about what they're talking about when they go to tell you a little bit about what they currently believe. Does that make sense? And so there's really four simple ideas that I want to communicate to you tonight. Uh, I want to communicate just a few ideas of of, of some of the belief systems, some of the core convictions that exist in the people uh, in Tobago. And then I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about who Jesus is. And so when it comes time for you to talk about who Jesus is, you've got a strong conviction inside of you. It's alive inside of you. And that's really one of the most important pieces as you go to share the gospel. 
that you have a great confidence in who Jesus is. And so the first one that I want you to really lock in with uh, that is the predominant uh, religion that you're going to run into uh, is Hinduism. All right, so Hinduism, and you'll notice when you, when you show up at one of the uh, Hindu homes, they'll have flags out front. So they have these, these prayer flags, and each flag symbolizes a Hindu deity. All right, so in Hinduism, they believe in many gods. All right, so we believe in one God as Christians, as Christ followers. We're following one God, right? God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe in one God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth, right? So we believe in one God. Hinduism will believe, believes in many gods, all right? So they will have different flags that symbolize different deities, all right? And where this began, uh, Hinduism began in northern India, one of the things that they uh, will believe is they'll believe in reincarnation. And so they'll believe that... Um, that when they die, if they live a good life, that they'll come back as something better on the earth. So that they might come back, um, uh, and they b- believe different things. Some people will believe that they'll come back um, in nature. Uh, they might believe that they'll come back in the rain, or that they'll come back uh, an animal, or that they'll come back a higher class of society. And so they have all these different ideas about reincarnation. So that they're living their life in order to not be something bad in the next life. All right, and they, and they believe it's a cycle. So you, so so um, so you and I then obviously believe that we have one life, and we don't believe in reincarnation. We believe in resurrection. We believe that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. All right. So we, if if they start to talk about how they're going to come back to Earth in a different form as something in nature or a different class of society, then your response is. What you believe, and that is, you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, and that when you, when, when, when you die, you're going to spend an eternity with Jesus, all right? So, we are resurrected to spend eternity with Jesus forever and ever. And so, uh, reincarnation is very different than what we believe in Christianity, all right? Also, um, <coughs> they believe in... in uh, a big word for it we would, is, is polytheism. It's, it's, it's many, many gods. So much so that there's actually, uh, there's, they, have, they have thousands, like thousands of different gods. Um, and there's, there's a lot of Hindus in the world. Of course, most of them are over in uh, India and Asia. Um, there's about 680 million Hindus in the world. Um, and they would believe in what's also called pantheism. It's a big word. But the idea is, is that, there, that God is in everything. So, 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 we, so you and I would believe that God is the creator of everything. And they would believe that God is in everything. All right? And so, uh, so it's, it, when, you, when you go to talk with a Hindu about what they believe and what you believe, it's very important that you understand what we believe to be true about Jesus Christ and him being the Lord of our lives is very different than what Hindus will believe. And sometimes when you're in moments like that, there's a bit of a temptation because you want everything to be friendly and you, you don't want there to be any disagreements. You'll kind of shake your head and smile. But, but realistically, what they're saying and what you're saying are very different things. All right? The idea that there's many gods is very different than the idea that there's one God. All right? So um, as you go home to home, I want you to have a real grid for Hinduism. All right? And what that looks like and what that is. All right? And you're going to be able to debrief this uh, 
uh, in the evenings. So if you have questions, it's really important that you bring your questions in the evenings and ask them. Don't fake it. The worst thing that you can do going on this trip is for you to fake it. For you to go and just kind of go home to home, just kind of endure it and live for playing basketball at night or, you know, something like that. This isn't a leisure trip. This is really your opportunity to really lead people to Jesus. And even if there's not necessarily someone that says, yes, lead me in a prayer or tell me about Jesus, you're sowing seed. You're you're preaching the gospel. And so we find Paul doing this all the time. We find Paul talking about preaching the gospel and a lot of times people respond and even when people don't respond, Paul says, no matter what, I still preach. I proclaim the gospel. Pray that I would preach the gospel fearlessly like I ought. And so my prayer for you is that you would preach the gospel fearlessly no matter what the response is, all right? So that's number one, Hinduism, okay? Number two, Islam, all right? Now, Islam, or we often hear the, the phrase Muslim, um, they believe uh, that their, their religion began with Muhammad. And so uh, Muhammad was the prophet uh, that received, in their view, uh, a, a greater revelation um, than what we have in Jesus. All right? And so their whole idea, the, even the word Islam means submission to God. Muslims do not believe that Jesus was God's son. They do not believe that Jesus was crucified. And they do not believe that Jesus will secure salvation for sinners. All right, so sometimes when you're having a conversation with someone who is of Islamic belief, you might be tempted, like I said earlier in regard to Hinduism, you might be tempted to kind of agree on some things. Like they, they, they believe in one God and we believe in one God, but the God that they believe in is different than the God that we believe in. All right, and so it's really important that you lock in with that, that you know that. There are a billion Muslims in the world. A billion all right, so there's a lot of Muslims. And so the, the, predominantly, you're going to run into Hinduism. That's going to be the most prominent. All right, but you're also going to run into, as you go home to home, you're going you're gonna to end up having conversations with some people that, are, uh, is, are, that believe in Islam, all right, that are Muslims. And so it's very crucial that you kind of lock in and know what you believe, which is where I'm going in a minute. And I'm going to talk a l- about who Jesus is. All right, and then I want to I comment on two other kind of people that you're going to run into. All right. The first is the Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, while we, when we went to Tobago to prepare for this trip, we met with the pastor who's coordinating the whole thing. And he told us that there's a lot of Seventh-day Adventist churches. Now, Seventh-day Adventists are, perceive themselves to be, to be Christians like we perceive. All right? But they have a couple distinctions that are very different than what we believe. All right? Seventh-day, Advent, Seventh-day Adventism uh, was started... Um, actually by a farmer in New York, interestingly enough. Um, and they've got a lot of similarities to evangelicals. Um, but they, they believe that you're not saved unless you're immersed in baptism, uh, meaning that, they, that you're dunked in baptism, and um, <coughs> that you'll be rejected by God if you don't keep the Sabbath. All right? Now, we believe that we, we are saved through Jesus Christ because of grace. All right? Grace, because Jesus Christ died on the cross. And so these would be, and then rose again. And these would be areas where uh, you're going to have, you're going to have 98% of the conversation. Um, you're going to have lots of similarities with Seventh-day Adventists. All right. But these, these ideas are ideas that we would not believe. All right. We do believe uh, in baptism, uh, but we do not believe that uh, baptism is the evidence of salvation. We believe that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. And then... 
as you, you're baptized to, as a demonstration to God and to the community of faith that you are committed to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so while we do, we do baptize, and you know we've had baptisms here on Wednesday nights, all right, where, we, where some of you have been baptized. So we're all about baptism, but, we, but it's not the statement that says for salvation, okay? So it's a little bit different there. And then Sabbath, obviously, um, we, we believe in, in keeping the Sabbath, but we also believe that God has grace. And if you accidentally work on, a, on seven days in a row, you'll probably still make it into heaven. All right, so <coughs> at least I think we believe that. Um, just kidding. All right, so, so that's Seventh-day Adventist. It's a little bit different than what we believe as evangelical Christians, okay? And then the last one that you need to be aware of is this one, and, and John and Brandon and Aubrey and Caleb and the team will be talking to you a lot about this. But down in Tobago, you'll hear a lot about this, this phrase, spiritual Baptists, all right? Spiritual Baptists. And these, the spiritual Baptist is basically a, a, some kind of conglomeration of kind of a, a, a spiritualist uh, voodoo kind of thing meets, meets Christianity mixed, which is not at all good, all right? Um, and it's kind of a hybrid of, of two different religions kind of coming together. And so, uh, and, so, and so I wanted to take a few moments and really just remind you, what I'm going to say, most of you already know who Jesus is and you've, you've already kind of got that locked in your heart and locked in your mind. And so this will be a refresher for you. Uh, and some of you um, might not. Some of you might still be asking big questions about exactly who is Jesus and who was Jesus and what does it mean that I follow Jesus. And, and so I want to take a few moments and just give you really clear who we are as Christians, what we believe about Jesus Christ. Our whole worldview is based on Jesus Christ being the Lord Jesus Christ being God. Jesus Christ. Uh, and so I want to talk to you for a few minutes about Jesus. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. Number one is this. Jesus created the heavens and the earth with his father. So Jesus existed eternity past. All right. So Jesus has always been. And then we find in John 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So here in that, we find Jesus creating the heavens and the earth with his father. That means Jesus is creator. Jesus is God. Does that make sense? Everybody got that? All right. So when you think about who Jesus is, you can be confident that Jesus is big. He's a creator. So like I said earlier, when we were talking about uh, Hinduism, where God is in everything, right? We don't believe that God is in everything. We believe that God created everything. All right. So that's very different. All right, what was that big movie that had pantheon, pantheism in it, that had the blue people in it? Avatar. Avatar, right. All right, Smurfs, no. Avatar, yes. <coughs> all right. Like when, when I watched that movie, I thought, yeah, this is filled with pantheism, all right? There's kind of a worshiping of everything, all right? And that's, that's, that's not who we are. We believe that Jesus is the creator uh, of the heavens and the earth, all right? Number two, Jesus was enthroned before he ever came to earth, all right? So Isaiah, in John 12, 41, it says that Isaiah saw the glory of Jesus or the beauty of Jesus or the excellencies of Jesus, and he talked about it. Okay, so imagine that, Isaiah, who lived 700 years before Jesus ever came to the planet. 700 years before Jesus ever came, John is saying that Isaiah saw who Jesus was, and he talked about it. 
All right? And that would be, obviously, even what we see in Isaiah 6, where there's the great moment, you know, the great story uh, where, where, behold, I, I saw God. And, you know, you, I'm sure you guys know it. It's the whole thing about seraphim and falling over. I don't want to get into that right now. But that whole idea, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. All right, so you've got first Jesus creating the heavens and the earth. Then you've got Jesus existing on a throne, right, in heaven before he ever comes to earth. Are you with me? Yes? Okay. All right, so Jesus creates. Then number two, Jesus seated on a throne. Number three, Jesus became a man for us. This is what you sing about mostly at Christmas time. You know a lot about it, but we, the big word that we use for it is the incarnation. It's that Jesus came to earth, that God came to earth in Jesus Christ, that the word became flesh. So I just was telling you John 1 earlier, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and lived for a while among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Okay, so that idea is that the word God became flesh for you, for me. All right, so first you have the father, you've got Jesus creating then you've got Jesus for 700 years existing, right? You got that? Seated on a throne. And then you've got Jesus coming to earth, all right? And this is, um, this is the verse you hear all the time, all right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Remember that one? All right? And that idea is Jesus comes to earth. Jesus is God. Jesus becomes a man. And God exists on the earth for you and for me, all right? So Philippians 2 says that he humbled himself, all right, by coming to earth. All right, and, and, and coming for you and for me. Okay, so, and that's, and that's a lot to imagine, but you've got God on the earth as a man, Jesus Christ, and then he lives in absolute perfection. I mean, so, and that's critical for you to understand the cross. Jesus lives without any sin. I mean, completely perfect. And so, and so, there's, there, so when we say sin, that would be ignoring God or disobeying God. And so Jesus is 100%, 100% without sin. He lives the perfect life. He lives what you and I have not lived and cannot live. Jesus lives in complete perfection. <clears throat> and then Jesus goes and dies on the cross. We all know this. You've heard this. But here's what happens. When Jesus dies on the cross, Jesus, who is absolutely perfect, forever defeats the enemy. All right? So by Jesus defeating sin and Satan, all right, Jesus crushes the enemy. Jesus, Jesus demonstrates that, you, that he, he lives the perfect life. And the life that you and I are unable to live, he lives perfectly and creates a way for us to have eternal life with God forever. All right? So what God wants is he wants relationship with us. He wants, to be, he wants us to be close to him. And by Jesus Christ coming, living perfectly, then dying on the cross perfectly, and here comes the big one, all right? Then Jesus, you know it, he, he rose from the dead, didn't he? Jesus rose from the dead three days later so that even death itself, death itself could not defeat him, all right? So we call that the resurrection, all right? And Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus then... Um, ascends into heaven and is seated at the right hand forever and ever and ever. All right, and that's where he is now. So, so now a lot of times you think Bible stories, but I want you to get this chronologically. I want you to kind of think all the way through that. So then Jesus, first off, <coughs> we have Jesus 
forever, eternity backwards. All right? So imagine a billion times a trillion times a billion times a million years backwards. All right? Got it? Times a trillion times a billion. Backwards. He's always existed. All right? And then Jesus, um, Jesus creates. Then Jesus comes to earth. All right? Jesus lives perfectly. Jesus dies on the cross. All right? Then Jesus raises from the dead. All right? Three days later. Okay? Then he comes back, hangs out with his disciples. And the scripture says that Jesus ascends then into heaven. All right? So I don't know how many of you think about that. That's a powerful moment. You can only imagine how much uh, the disciples' uh, heartache began when all of a sudden Jesus just ascends. So he doesn't die. All right? He doesn't die. He always lives. So he ascends into heaven so that he's seated on a throne even now. Does that make sense? So when you think about how everything ended for Jesus here on earth, it hasn't. He's coming back, right? But he ascended into heaven. And then the scripture says that he's going to, and this is the big one, the last one tonight, is that he will return, right? And so in the same way, that's what the angel said, in the same way that you saw him ascend, he's going to come back, all right? He's going to come back to earth for those who voluntarily choose to follow him, all right? So that's the story of Jesus. So we have lived then in this church age now for a couple thousand years, post the ascension, and then Jesus tells his disciples to go into all the world, right? Right before he ascended, right before he ascends, he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then he looks at the disciples and he says, surely I am with you to the very end of time. All right. And so he says to them, go. And so some of them go to India and some of them, they begin to scatter all over the known world. And the church then begins to erupt. And that's what we read about in the book of Acts. It's kind of the, the acts of the apostles as they do what Jesus told him, told them to do. So now you've got uh, the church growing all through Acts and it's continued to spread. It's continued to spread over the last couple thousand years to where at today the largest religion on the planet is Christianity. All right? And, yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right. You want to clap for that? I like that. That's good. That's that victory. All right. All right. So, you and I then, as you prepare to go to Tobago, and as you prepare to go to Starbucks tomorrow, or whatever you, wherever you go, or where, whatever you're going to do tomorrow, uh, you and I are always people then that are a part of that great commission. Okay, so we're the people that are taking the gospel to the world, all right? So we are living in Jesus' story. Are you with me? All right, so as you go home to home, all right, as you go home to home, and I know that, that, uh, that you're, we're doing the bracelet thing again this year where you've got little colors and you explain the gospel that way, all right? And that's great, but I want you to lock in with this. The peace, the peace that we found when we go home to home the secret is not so much that you have memorized rhetoric with beads. That's not powerful, all right? There's power in the name of Jesus and the active work of Jesus in the present tense, all right? So as Jesus is alive inside of you, that is the witness. The information is powerful, but it can be just, inform- it can be just a piece of literature that they throw away. But if they see 
feel, know, sense, encounter Jesus through you, it will open up their hearts spiritually to be receptive to what you have to say. All right? So as you go, that means we want to be a praying people. That means that we want to go home to home and we want to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We want to be content and patient no matter what circumstance we get in. All right? And if you will dialogue with the Holy Spirit, or the scriptures say it this way, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. If you'll fellowship with God and be like Jesus and fellowship with God and show up and then believe for great things. Praying, praying for them to be healed. Asking them if there's anything that you can pray for and telling your story about what Jesus has done in your life. All right, that will be powerful for them. And so sometimes you'll run into someone who just wants to have an intellectual debate. All right, and sometimes that seems very fruitless until very rarely does the intellectual debate go back and forth until they look at you and go, oh, until, oh you got me. You, you philosophically stumped me, right? But sometimes... There'll be a word that the Holy Spirit gives you. There'll be something that is alive inside your heart and they'll break down because they've experienced life. All right, the life of Jesus. So your big responsibility, we want you to be educated, as educated as you can be. But the most important thing is that the life of Jesus flows through you. And if the life of Jesus flows through you, then you'll see real tangible fruit with people saying yes to Jesus on your trip. Make sense? Everybody got it? Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.